You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 78. Hey guys, happy Monday. So I have a really cool episode this week. This week, I had Caitlin come onto the podcast and talk about all about her adoption story of her son. And I realized that a lot of you guys have no idea you know, how adoption works. I'm sure some of you that follow me um, maybe have adopted in the past or maybe you're in the adoption process now and you've already, I don't know. But I realize that most of you don't because most of my followers are pregnant ladies, let's be honest. But I still think adoption is a way to become a parent, obviously. So I think it's something that we need to talk about on the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast. So this episode is really special and really, really cool. And I had a really awesome time recording it with Caitlin because she just told her story so well. And I still like get goosebumps recording the intro because I'm thinking about the conversation that we have and had and how special it was. So I'm not going to spoil too much about her story, um, but it's very special and I hope you guys enjoy it. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. So happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, where you're from, whatever you want to add? Yeah. Um, so again, my name is Caitlin, and uh, I am a working mom. I work for a large um, investment firm. Um, I've been married to my husband, Jake, for five and a half years, been together since we were uh, 19 years old, little babies. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. Um, and then we actually have a, an almost nine month old son, AJ. He's going to be nine month, old, nine month old tomorrow. So, um, and then he just joined our family um, through adoption uh, this past June when he was born. Yeah. And then we're actually also expecting um, a daughter. Um, so that's actually how I found uh mommy labor nurse, uh, cause I took your course <laughs> and, oh. um, yeah, so we're excited. She's going to be, uh, born somewhere around June 2nd. So awesome. we're really excited. Yeah. Oh, yay. Congrats. That's great. And you already know, I was going to say it's March, April, May, June. So you're what, like six, six, yeah. months, six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, 29 weeks. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'll be, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And we'll have, uh, for a, a month, we'll have two under one. So that'll be (laughs) really crazy. (laughs) But we're excited. Well, you, my other um, 
girl who works for me, I call her my other girl, my, my <laughs> employee and good friend, Tiffany, who works for me, she, um, hers weren't under one, but her boys are 13 months apart. So she oh knows goodness. all too well the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two under two for quite a while. Right, right. For a whole year, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, cool. Well, guys, if you haven't guessed what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about AJ and his adoption story. So Caitlin, if you want to, usually what I do with birth stories is I kind of have people go back and talk about, you know, getting pregnant and, you know, starting all of that. So, you know, since you weren't pregnant with him, um, do you want to go back and kind of maybe talk about like why you got interested in adopting and I guess kind of start from the beginning. Yeah. So um, again, my husband and I have been together since we were like 19 years old. Yeah. Um, our faith has played a big part in our lives. So we actually met at youth group. And um, one of the things that we both kind of knew from the beginning of even dating was um, adoption was something we both felt really strongly about, something that we wanted to do to um, grow our families at some point. Um, and we kind of knew that was something we'd want to do. And also trying to have kids biologically was something we would want to do. We didn't know what order that would be, but it was just always something we kind of knew we wanted to do both of those avenues for growing our family. Um, fast forward to when we were actually ready to start our family. Um, there's a lot of different reasons of why we decided to pursue adoption first before trying to have kids biologically, but ultimately that was something we ended up landing on. Um, one of the big factors was just that we knew that there's a lot that goes into the adoption um, process. There's a lot of time and resources and energy that it takes to go through that. And so we knew we're not going to be getting any more of that as we get older. And if we have you know, more kids, that's just going to make things more complicated. And so we just ultimately decided that that was how we wanted to start our family. Um, we kind of always had the five-year plan, if you will, <laughs> um, from getting married to starting. And that's kind of, you know, we were on year four and we were like, okay, are we ready to kind of start talking about this? And that's when we started. So in um, summer of 2019, we we started the whole process. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. So I guess when you started, what does that look like? So I think people listening like I, I personally want to know, um, you know, if I, if I'm like, you know what, I, I'm thinking about adopting, like, where do I, where do I even like start that process? Yeah. So there's definitely, um, multiple different avenues that somebody could go down to, uh, pursue adoption. So, uh, one of the most common, uh, that you'll hear is private infant adoption. Mm -hmm. And even within that, there's a couple different realms of, um, of avenues of ways you could go with that. Yeah. But that's just kind of the, what you typically think of with, with agencies, yeah. um, working with an agency, um, going through them, getting matched with a, uh, expectant pregnant mother, and then, um, going that route. So that's private infant adoption. There's also international adoptions. So, you know, you kind of pick a country and kind of figure out what their laws are and what their adoption processes look like. Uh, and then there's also foster care, um, which, you know, is, is different, um, you know, foster care, kind of the uh, purpose of foster care is to, to be temporary in most cases, but then ultimately, you know, oftentimes there will be situations where parental rights have to get waived. And so then adoption 
can take place through that. So yeah, we um, decided just with our circumstances and where we were that we wanted to pursue um, private infant adoption. And so again, multiple different avenues, even within that. But uh, what we ended up doing was working with, it's called an adoption consultant. Um, So there's a couple different organizations out there that, you know, essentially you, they work with multiple different agencies. Again, oftentimes you go through one agency, you can, if you do infant adoption, you can sign up with one agency um, and you go through their process the consultants kind of work with multiple different agencies. You kind of go through them and they help you throughout the process um, and, and have different relationships with um, multiple agencies. Got it. So it's kind of like a rep, like you yeah. have somebody who like kind of just has contacts everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they've gone through the process yeah. oftentimes themselves and yeah, they just have a lot of different connections and they help with all the different aspects of the process. I wish we can get into what those aspects are. (laughs) Yeah, no, I would love for you to talk about that too. So I'm thinking like, this is, I don't know, but I'm thinking of like the Friends episode with Chandler where they were adopting and they had somebody come into their house and like assess their home. So I guess, I mean, you see how naive I am to know (laughs) the whole process. Is that kind of how it works or like what other stuff? Yeah, (laughs) I love that you referenced that because Friends is like one of my favorite shows ever. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen every episode. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, No, it's definitely not far off from that. So that's definitely the first step. uh, No matter what avenue you choose to go, um, it's called the home study. And what the home study is, is it's basically whatever state you live in, um, deeming that you're able to have a child in your home saying that your home is safe, saying that you guys are, um, you know, able to be parents. Um, It's, it can kind of seem a little bit scary because you're, you know, like in the Friends episode, it's, you kind of feel nervous that somebody's coming in and judging you. In reality, it's just, they're trying to make sure that what you're saying about yourself, like as far as your background checks and saying where you live and what your home looks like matches up and, you know, that you're, able to take care of a child. So it's, it's not too scary, but it is a lot of paperwork and it, it does require, you know, somebody to come in and look at your home and, and talk with you. And so um, it definitely is a whole process. It, I know for us, it took um, about four months to get home study approved. So, and it can be shorter or longer, depending on how many different, you know, things you have going on in your life. Like if you have more kids, there's just a lot more that's required. I know. Okay. We needed a lot of medical, you know, records and okay. financial records and background checks and all of those things. So um, it just can take a while to get everything processed. Interesting. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, but I didn't realize that it could take that long. I wonder, um, too, so with the process, when you have somebody come in, I'm just thinking about like COVID. I wonder if they have been able to do that virtual. I mean, I'm sure that people now probably just yeah. masks or like if it's any different with COVID. You obviously were probably, you know, did it. Yeah. Ours was, you know, and we can get a little bit more into this yeah. later, but we did, you know, that beginning part of the process was pre-COVID, but then yeah. when our son was born was during COVID. And then there's also follow-up meetings that the yeah. generally the same person that does your home study will also come and do these follow-up meetings. And so, yeah, for us personally, those 
you know, were in person before, but then the follow-up meetings were not in person. They were virtual. So yeah. Makes Makes sense. So, okay, let's get a little bit deeper. So you let's, let's, you know, go back to kind of your story. So if, so you're saying that the first thing you kind of did was this home study thing. And then I guess kind of what were the next steps? Yeah. So just the way that we did it. And again, this is my perspective coming from like working with a consultant where we had the multiple agencies um, that we were kind of working with through the consultant. Um, the way that they worked is you, you kind of pick the agencies that you want to work with um, once your home study approved and and ready. And from those agencies, that's when you'll start to get what are called um, situations. And those are the situations that come up with um, pregnant mothers that are wanting to make an adoption plan. Or sometimes it's even children that were just already born. (laughs) Um, And maybe the, you know, mother didn't know that she was pregnant or, you know, just decided at the hospital that that was something that she wanted to do. Um, And so one of the other things I forgot to mention (laughs) with those situations, and I guess we could get into that is um, this whole profile book that has to get created. Um, That that's something that we also did during the home study time, because we knew that we'd have to have this ready for once we were home study approved. Um, It's a big deal (laughs) in the adoption world is these profile books um, so you, it's kind of your book about yourself and your family. Um, it's kind of whatever you want it to be. And when those situations get sent to you, that's what you're presenting to those, um, pregnant mothers for them to, to choose families from. So. Gotcha. So is there a process of where you, it sounds like you know, you get to choose in some regard and then they also get to choose. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we would get sent once we picked the agencies that we wanted to work with, we would get sent the situations that um, matched with what we were looking for, which in our case, we didn't have any preferences in regards to anything other than age. So we just said we were interested in any child under a year old. Um, for a number of different reasons, people might decide that they have other preferences as far as, you know, um, gender or, um, you know, like race and things like that. Yeah. Disabilities, things like that. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So you, so I guess you make kind of your profile and that's almost like a resume that you would have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still going back to the friends episode because they did this all in friends too. Monica was the doctor and Chandler was the reverend. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And there, and there is definitely was, you know, the, the process has changed, I think a lot, even since the friends episode came out um, because it felt like a little bit, I know then where it was a little bit more anonymous, they didn't see pictures necessarily of what they looked like. They only, thought they were meeting each other right in that moment when they met and found out, oh, wait, she thinks we're different people. (laughs) Now it's like you get this whole profile book that has all these pictures and all these things about you. And so it's very clear. Um, I would would assume there's not a lot of like those kind of. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Or just for TV. Right. Right. Okay, cool. Well, let's get back into kind of your story. So, um, so I guess, yeah, you make this profile book and then I, do you just kind of wait? and see what pops up. Yeah. So essentially that's, that's the big part of adoption is, is 
the process is the wait. And again, in our case, that's kind of how it worked for us with the agencies is they'd send us these situations. We'd say, yes, we want to present our profile to them. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd give our profile and then we'd wait to hear back on what that, um, you know, pregnant mother had decided. So for us, the wait was about four and a half months, which is really short. Um, I will say that's not the norm for adoptions. A lot of times it can take, um, you know, potentially years to to get a wait. So it just kind of depends on a lot of different factors. But um, we we presented our profile uh, 13 times, um, the 14th and heard no um, for those 13. And then the 14th time was was the yes. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And so... With the times that, with the situations where people say no, uh, do they ever give you feedback? Is it no? You just never know if it, never it's like know, a personal yeah. kind of like you know she decide maybe she decided not to adopt anymore or it's just right, right. We d- generally, I I can't speak for all of them, but I know for us it was it was always just a you know like she went with a different family, which was totally fine for us. We yeah. our perspective going into it a big thing was that we felt we weren't trying to find a child for our family. We were trying to be yeah. the right family for a child. So it was a little bit easier to have that perspective um, when we heard no, because we just felt like, okay, well, we're just not the right family for that child and that's totally okay. And, you know, move on. Yeah. I love it. I love that perspective too, for anybody who's listening to have that, that mindset. That's yeah. Very it's hard, but it's it's definitely, I think the best, personally the best way to to view it to look at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about when you actually did match. So yeah. what kind of happened after that? Um, it was seriously the craziest time of our lives. So yeah, tell me I, about like the day. And, like, yeah. Well, you know everything kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, we kind of already touched on this a little bit, but you know, COVID had started pretty much. So we became active and waiting. It was January, 2020. Mm -hmm. And then the world shut down in March. So we had been waiting, you know, we were in the wait for like, it was the end of January that became active. So it was really like two months that we were in the wait. And then all of a sudden COVID started happening. We're like, oh gosh, how is this going to affect everything? Um, So thankfully for us, it didn't really seem to affect it, but uh, yeah, so we had just been kind of presenting when it made sense to present to the situations. And uh, it was in May and Mother's Day happened. And I was a little bit, you know, it was probably the hardest day of the wait for me just because, you know, I didn't know when I was going to be a mother. And it's just kind of one of those things that was that was a little bit tougher than some of the other days. Um, and little known to us, two days later, we got sent our son's situation for the first time. And um, we decided to present to it. And again, we these presenting to it, you just never know how long it's going to take to hear back. There were times that it took literally a day to hear back no. And then there were other times where it took three weeks. And they don't necessarily have a time frame because it just depends on that expectant mother, like what you know, how long it takes for her to make the decision. So again, we'd already kind of gone through it so many times that it was like, we kind of knew not to like get our hopes up. It was just, you know, another situation that we were open to. And if we heard back, great. If not, you know, whatever. And so 
wasn't really thinking about it. I think for his situation, we kind of knew it it was going to be on the longer end. I think we kind of did have a heads up that she wasn't going to be choosing until a little bit later in May. So the date rolled around. It was May 26th. I remember that like everything about it. I wasn't expecting anything. I really wasn't. It was the day after Memorial Day. I wasn't expecting to hear anything. And I was actually sitting on a, on the phone on a client call. And after my husband said, you know, oh, have you seen the adoption email? We had like this adoption email. Um, and that's where we hear back from these situations a lot of the times. And that was just something normal we'd say to each other all the time. Like if there was some news that came back. So I, I didn't think anything of it. And I opened the email and it was just like, you know, it was my son's birth mom was picked, picked us. And I was like, what? And, yeah. um, you know, totally just broke down crying, was not expecting it at all. And um, I couldn't believe that my husband was able to keep it cool for that whole time that I was sitting on the phone. Um, but he totally just played it off. Um, and so what was crazier was that he was due um, July 1st, but given some of the um, things that we knew about his um, birth mother, we knew that we needed to kind of get ready earlier because it was most most likely that he'd be born uh, at least two weeks early, um, yeah. with yeah. by an induction at the at the least, um, if not just naturally earlier. So we're in um, Illinois. I don't think I mentioned that, but we're outside of Chicago, and um, the, he was in Florida, and so this was again May twenty sixth. He's potentially going to be born two weeks early, even maybe sooner. So we were like, oh my gosh, we need to leave like now. <laughs> and so we um, decided it w- wasn't that weekend that we we're going to leave, but it was the weekend after. And so we had like a week and a half notice to wow. just kind of get everything together, everything ready and go down and wait in Florida. So wow. um yeah, it worked out really well again with COVID. Normally at that time, I wasn't able to work remotely, but because of COVID I was. And so that's gave us the ability to just kind of get there earlier and and wait. And um, yeah, so then we just kind of waited and then he was born on, on June 19th. This episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast was brought to you by Mommy Labor Nurse. I've seen it in the delivery room time and time again. Mamas that complete some kind of childbirth education before they're due have a more positive birth. So then why do less than one third of all moms take a birth class? Probably because so many of the options out there are either way too expensive, super inconvenient, or just don't offer mamas really what they need. That's why I created the Birth It Up online birthing classes. With Birth It Up, you'll gain the in-depth knowledge and confidence you need to have a better birth from the comfort of your own home at a price point that can't be beat. Head on over to mommylabornurse.com backslash courses to find the birth class that's right for you. And now let's get into this week's episode. Wow. Yeah. So tell me about that too. So when you go down, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder about this too. So I guess it's always, unless it happens at the hospital in your town or something, mm-hmm. you know, it's very close. You do have to travel there mm-hmm. and there's some sort of waiting, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm thinking about someone who's due it might be a few weeks before it might be yep. a few weeks afterwards. There's really right. 
So I guess do they give you guidance on like, okay, let's go down when mom is 37 weeks or I guess, it, you know, it depends on her history if she's, yeah, you know, go preterm. So tell me about that too. Like what, like, did, did you stay in a hotel or Airbnb or <laughs> yeah, yeah. what was that like? No, that's, that's a good question. So yeah, it, it totally depends. And for us personally, we haven't talked about this yet, but um, something we were interested in was having an open adoption. So like having a relationship with our son's um, birth mom and birth family. So for us, we have an open relationship with her. And so, you know, she didn't necessarily want us in the room, but she wanted us at the hospital and she wanted him to room with us at the hospital. So that was something we kind of talked about, which is why we decided to go early. So I think it can just depend on that type of situation. If you know that, you know, um, the mother wants you to be there at the hospital, then, you know, I think it's probably up to the <laughs> discretion of you when to leave, right? Um, if you're worried about it, there, you know, being any chance that the baby's early. Um, but yeah, I think it just totally depends on, on the situation uh, that way. So yeah, makes sense. All right. So he's born. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that what happened was you were, you know, you stayed in the hospital and I think, and I just know t- just taking care of families that we've had that experience. That's, that's usually, you know, what happens if you know beforehand, um, the adopted family gets a postpartum room basically. And, you know, mom still gets uh birth mom still gets postpartum room and, and, yeah, if it's open, then there's, you know, crossover and baby can go kind of back and forth. If it's not, then baby typically, you know, it's the last kind of, they just go to, um, to the adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess, um, tell me about that too, how the hospital was and then kind of bringing him home and then bringing him <laughs> home. like home, home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the hospital experience was really interesting just because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, we felt so lucky timing wise that we even got to be there um, because I know probably if it was a month earlier, yeah. we probably wouldn't have even been allowed in the hospital. So the fact that my husband and I were both allowed in, we were given a room, we were allowed to be there. was amazing. The one downside was at that time, they wouldn't even let us like leave the room essentially. So we like brought some food, but we were not prepared to be there for three days without very much food, like only the hospital food. And like, you know, the, the nursing staff was great. No, no shade on them at all. It's just because of the situation, they kind of sometimes forgot to bring us stuff. Like they were very much concerned about AJ, but like wouldn't necessarily remember like that we were there and needed food too. So that was interesting. But yeah, we, like you said, we, um, again, have an open relationship with, um, his birth mother. And so we wanted him to spend as much time with her as she wanted, you know? And so he would get wheeled in his little cart back and forth between the rooms. He's, he spent a couple, um, we were, we were there for like three days. She was there for two days. So over the two days she would, you know, spend a couple hours with him at a time, which was great. Um, we were really happy that she wanted to spend the time with him. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really interesting just being there in that, it felt like the the nursing staff wasn't entirely sure what to do with us sometimes, um, which was interesting. But uh, everybody was really uh, respectful and very much wanted to make everything comfortable and um, very much understanding of our situation. So, 
yeah, we, um, we brought him home after three days was on Father's Day, um, actually. So it was crazy that we, on Mother's Day, I was like upset. And then by Father's Day, like my husband was a father. Yeah, (laughs) it was crazy. Um, But so then we have to, it's called, there's this whole process called ICPC, which if you're adopting from a different state, you have to get the clearance to actually leave the state um, before leaving. So we had to stay in Florida still uh, until we got that clearance. And I totally didn't mention um, the fact that in the hospital, you know, he wasn't our son until his um, birth mother, you know, signed her rights away, which is why we were really passionate about making sure that he was spending a lot of time with her because he was not our son yet until, you know, she had signed away the rights and that dependent on the state. It's usually anywhere from, 12 hours to 72 hours after birth. So for us, um, it happened, it was about like 30 hours after his birth that that happened. So, um, yeah. So anyways, through the, after coming home, after bringing him back to the rental that we had in Florida, we had to still wait for an unknown amount of time for this ICPC to clear. Um, So that was pretty hard, honestly, because we were there by ourselves, right? Our family was all up here um, in Illinois. And we had zero idea if it was going to be a couple days that we were still in Florida, or if it was going to be a couple weeks. And so uh, we just kind of had to sit and wait. And thankfully, I think it was like five days. Um, And then we had to make the drive back up with a tiny little newborn. Um, which you probably, you know, you wanted to drive and not fly. Right. Right. No, exactly. We did. Yeah. We felt like just with COVID and everything, it made the most sense to just drive. And it was like probably the maximum amount of time that we would drive. It was, um, without stopping, it was like 16 hours. Right. Um, which we honestly like barely stopped on the drive home. We were just so, we didn't even stay anywhere overnight. We were just so ready to get home at that point. Um, so Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sure I can imagine like, okay, you know what, this is a long drive, but I'm going back home and I have my baby. Yes. (laughs) I'm ready. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Um, Well, there was a couple of things that came to mind. So I did want to ask when you, because I think this is something that people wonder about um, in regards to bonding. So Mm -hmm. when you first, you know, had your son, had AJ and mm-hmm. first saw him in the first couple days. Did you, did you feel that immediate parental bond or did it take you a few days or, and also your husband too? I want to know kind yeah. of how he felt too. Cause I think people, people want, I've asked this question to a few different adoptive mm-hmm. um, people that I know. And the, the answer is usually the same. Yeah. It's usually pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but not always. And I think that people who don't have any experience with adoption just wonder this if there's like a barrier almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm interested to be quite honest, I'm very interested to see like, especially because the experiences are going to be so close, but like what it feels like between AJ and then our daughter right away, yeah. especially yeah. from my husband's perspective, because I think it'll be a little bit different yeah. for him than me, even just because yeah. both situations, he's not the one 
birthing <laughs> the baby. Um, but for, for me personally, I think, and I kind of touched in on, on it already, but we had a very strong mindset that um, AJ's birth mom was not his birth mom until the papers were signed. Cause yeah. she, she just, that was his mom still <laughs> like no matter what, it, it, he was not our child then. So for me, I couldn't just mentally get yeah. there until the papers were signed. Um, but once they were, I, I truly felt, and even before they were signed, it was like hard to not feel the, the instant connection. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, I've felt right, pretty much right off the bat, instantly bonded and connected with him. Um, again, I can't speak to it without like having birthed a child yet to know like how it compares. But I know for me, I did feel really strongly attached, like pretty much right when the papers are signed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like, oh my gosh, this is our child. He's really here. Especially just with all of the anticipation, you know, for this month that we knew about him. Again, we were trying really hard to set that boundary of, you know, he's not our child yet. There's a plan that he's going to be our child, but he's not our child yet. We're, yeah. we're doing all these things like in the hopes that he will be. And so then once that actually was official, it was just this awesome feeling of, re- of relief. But then also, to be honest, a little bit of grief just for his birth mom, because we do care a lot about her and know that's such a hard decision that she had to make and um, such a, a a really courageous thing for her to do. And so, yeah, it is so many different emotions, but I definitely did feel connected right away. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I did have one other question too. So with, in terms of like signing the paperwork and that whole process, you said it's different in different States. Um, but isn't, I've heard, this is what I've kind of just heard is mm-hmm. that there is some sort of time frame that they can sign and then change their mind. Is that true? Or is it, that true? it depends on the state. Yeah. So um, for where we were in Florida, in our experience, um, I can just speak to what that experience was. It was um, the, you know, and, and, my son's case, um, his father's not in the picture, his birth father's not in the picture. So it was just based off of his birth mother. Um, so she had, uh, 24 hours after he was born, she could sign or if she was being discharged earlier than the 24 hours, then she could sign at that point. But once she signs, it's irrevocable, but there are States where there is a a period of time where it can change. I know, um, some of the situations we got that were in different States, they talked about that. And I know like one of them ranged from like a month after signing that they could, um, could change their mind. That's a long time. It's a long time. And it's really hard to wrap your head around, especially if you're trying to come from the adoption again with the mindset of like, this is not my child until it's official, right? Because you want to be respectful of that. But then you also are kind of like, well, I have my rights too. But yeah, it's just trying to reconcile all of those feelings can be really, really difficult. I would say for me personally, and I've said this when I've talked about the experience, the weight, you know, four and a half month weight that we had to just hear yes was like nothing compared to that month long weight, you know, not sure if this was going to be our child or not. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. Well, that is crazy. So, okay. Side note tell me <laughs> about how uh, 
so he's he was born in June. Mm-hmm. How many months afterwards did you find out you were pregnant? Because <laughs> like? yeah. I feel like I have to ask you that. <laughs> oh no, of course, yeah. So again, it was it, for us. Um, we had always planned to, to grow our family both ways. We definitely weren't planning this fast to, <laughs> to have another kid. So it was like he was, you know, had just turned like three months old and wow. found out. And, and I found out like right away. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. I was so much more freaked out than my husband, which I was shocked by. Um, I was just like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And he was just like, it's not like we didn't want more kids. <laughs> like we were always planning on having more kids, but it honestly, it could not be more perfect now that it's happening when it's happening. It's, um, it's really cool. I'm, I'm really appreciative of being home and not having to go into work while I'm pregnant because it's been rough. <laughs> and even just like trying to take care of a, another kid. And thankfully it has been literally the chillest, easiest going kid ever. So that has made things a million times easier. That's how Walter was. Rylan's a a little bit more temperamental. (laughs) Walter was a very good, just a good, happy-go-lucky baby. Yeah. That does make it a lot easier. Easier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I keep saying, like, and I don't know for sure, but I just, I can only imagine, surprisingly for us, things have been so easy. Like adding AJ into our family has been super, super easy. There's been a little things that have been hard with COVID, but honestly, it's just been great to like have all this extra time that with him that we weren't expecting. Yeah. He's been super easy. He, we never dealt with sleep deprivation with him. He just always has liked to sleep. So that's a big thing. He's always eaten fine. Like all these things have just been like really easy. So I'm like, I think that going from you know, one to two kids in our case is going to be a lot harder than going from zero to one. Because you got like a, like a perfect, like little baby. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, I have one more question for you. Um, For anybody listening who is interested in the adoption process, do you have any resources or anything that you would recommend? Like, I don't know, like join a Facebook group or any books that you read or like anything like that? Yeah, there's so much I could say about this, honestly. This is probably what I'm like the most passionate about just because I think it's something that doesn't get talked about as much with adoption that it should. But just there are so many resources out there um, that are kind of shaped towards the adoptive parent, which is great. But I think what is like really important is to find resources that um, are uh, from the perspective of the adoptee themselves, because ultimately that's, who's going to be the most affected by, um, adoption. And there's so many great, um, Instagram pages (laughs) to follow so many, um, awesome adoptees that, um, I'm sure I'll send you all of the the people I follow. And yeah, we'll link anything in the show notes that you send me or that you mentioned here. Yeah, absolutely. So anybody listening can, you know, check out the show notes too. Yeah. Um, And so, and also just educating yourself on, um, there's so many um, similar line birth mothers out there that have a lot to say, because I think it's just so important to educate on all aspects of the, um, it's called the adoption triad. you know, a lot of the times people will only kind of focus on the perspective of the adoptive parent, which is important to like get that too and to understand what it's like to be an adoptive parent. Um, But there's just so much more that goes into it. So um, one of my favorite resources, and for me personally, so um, we're in a, we have a transracial adoption. My son is black and we're white. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the best resource that I have that I shared with all of my um, family members to make sure that they read it um, is uh, a book called uh, Be the Bridge. And it's the Transracial Adoption Guide. It just, again, has so many great perspectives from adoptees themselves. And I think it, it honestly is even applicable to um, just any adoption situation doesn't necessarily need to be transracial adoption, but um, just a lot of really great perspectives that um, can help educate anybody that's going to be part of the, you know, the adoption. So grandparents and siblings and, and, and everybody. Um, yeah. Instagram has been a great place for me personally. And um, I'll share my Instagram uh, adoption, Instagram handle. Um, anybody that I'm following, I think is really helpful <laughs> on there. Um yeah, so those are some of the the big resources I can think about. But just in general, just a big word of advice is to just do as much education as you can because you know adoption is different, right? And I think um, Lisa, you'll you always advocate for in birth, right? Educating yourself on every possible thing you can. Like education <laughs> is the best thing you can do. And so just trying to make sure you're really educating yourself about everybody in the process um, is just so important. Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, you're right. You took the words out of my mouth. That's what I was <laughs> going to say that we, we, uh, love education here at mommy labor nurse. So I'm glad yeah. that you did that. <laughs> well, you mentioned that you have an Instagram page. So do you want to share that for anybody who wants to follow along? Yeah. So it's, um, currently we're just kind of using it more as like a capsule of what our whole process was like. Um, so I'm not really posting on anymore. I'll still go on there and check it. Yeah. But it really does. It started at the beginning of our process and then kind of finished it when we finalized the adoption in December. Um, but so it's uh, k.adoption.journey. Cool. Cool. We'll, we'll link that too in the show notes page for people to check it out as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was a great, great, very cool episode um, for people. I know, you know, probably a lot of people... Um, maybe they're interested in adopting and they're listening to this, or maybe it's just, you know, other moms, but it's always fun to hear other, you know, people's situations and other people's journeys. So thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. So that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? 
Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.